This is Gareth Southgate, and this is the Three Lions Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Three Lions Podcast. My name is Russell Osborne. And this, as always, is an independent England supporters podcast. Now, in the past, I've tried to look at all sorts of aspects of the England setup. Initially, as an England supporter, my focus was always the senior men, watching them on the telly, be it the World Cups or the European Championships. And then as I grew up, going to Wembley and taking those first steps going abroad to watch the side. But then... As my knowledge grew, I became aware of the other teams under the FA's England umbrella. The under-21s, the women's side. And then once I became part of this podcast, I really started to look beyond. And previously, I've spoken about the blind team, the amputee side, and I've got plans in the pipeline to speak with some others. But this time, it's the turn of the England C team. If you're not aware of them, and I hope this will be an introduction to the side. Nothing too in-depth, just enough to wet your whistle, as they say. And in this episode, I'll speak with some who have some first-hand knowledge and experience of the team. So the senior men, although not referred to as, are the A-team. The England B-team, although not officially expunged as they haven't played since 2007, and we briefly touched on them when we spoke with Nikki Shorey on episode 96. And I plan to look at them in a bit more depth at a later date. But next in line are the England C team. I quite enjoyed doing the research on this team. And surprisingly, there isn't a huge amount out there. So to start with, I purchased an old program from 2013 against Turkey. From eBay, of course, uh, to get a flavour of things. The welcome page, as written by David Bernstein, the then FA chairman, states When the FA Council ended the official distinction between amateur and professional footballers in 1974, it meant the end of England matches at amateur level. For five years after that, players with non-league clubs had no opportunity to represent their country. Then, an England semi-professional team was created which played in tournaments and friendly fixtures, and over the years has evolved into the England National Game Eleven, and now England C. Once again, players below football league level can experience that proud moment where they pull on an England shirt with the Three Lions motif. Harold Wilkinson was the first of six managers to have taken the reins. He was in charge from 1979 to 1982, Keith Wright, 82 to 85. Kevin Verity, 85 to 88. Tony Jennings, 88 to 97. John Owens, 97 to 2002. And current Charlton Academy manager Steve Avoy took charge in a caretaker capacity between 2002 and 2003. Then, current manager Paul Fairclough has been in charge since making him one of the longest-serving England managers. 
In fact, initially, the job shared with managing Barnet at the same time up until 2008. And I'll be talking to Paul shortly in the podcast about what his time has been like in charge of England Sea. But first, being semi-pro gives us an indication of the criteria needed to represent the side. The team consists of players who play outside of the Premier League, Championship and Leagues 1 and 2 within England. So basically, players from the National League, or the Vanarama National League as it's currently known as, or in some instances, from the lower leagues, steps 1 down to 7. And the age is capped to under 23. The team, like the seniors, under 21s etc, come under the FA's umbrella, so they wear the same kit as the senior team and receive the same cap with tassels and match embroidery. And they line up for the national anthem, like all the other teams at the beginning of the match. And as I initially alluded to with the programme intro by David Bernstein, I think it's important to acknowledge that previous to this, there was the England national amateur football team, which was formed in 1906, but was disbanded in 1974 when the Football Association abolished the distinction between amateurs and professionals by simply calling them players. I've actually got a few old amateur programmes, and one of the players is a certain Dave Harry Bassett, he of Wimbledon and Sheffield United management fame. But the amateur team is, I'm sure, an episode within itself, and one for another day. Matches-wise... They appear to play around four times a year and they generally play other nations' under-23 teams. Although the likes of Wales, they also have a C team. England C's most recent match was a friendly away against Estonia's under-23s, a 2-0 reverse back on the 5th of June 2019. Now They were scheduled to play Wales C on the 24th of March and Nepal on the 25th of May this year. But obviously, because of coronavirus, these matches have not been fulfilled. And you'd think Nepal wouldn't appear on paper to be one of the most desirable opposition teams to watch. But according to the Aldershot Town website, the EBB Stadium, where the game was due to be played, the Aldershot area is home to nearly 10,000 Nepalese people. So there's the potential for a sizable crowd there and opportunities to bring communities together. And in the past, some opposition nations have included players who have been capped at full international level, but still come within the under-23 age bracket. In the past, they've come up against World Cup Golden Glove keeper Thierbault Courtois when they played Belgium in 2011 at Luton's Kenilworth Road. And matches, well, they generally get played around the country at lower league, and non-league grounds. Over the years, the side have been fairly successful, regularly playing in the Four Nations Tournament, which was a semi-professional competition that ran up until 2008, regularly contested between England Sea, Scotland, Wales and Republic of Ireland semi-pro sides. And the Gibraltar national team actually played in the last 2008 tournament. England Sea won it six times out of 15 competitions, only finishing third twice and they never picked up the wooden spoon. The side also won the inaugural International Challenge Trophy back in 2005-06. And they've since been runners-up three times 
most recently in the tournament that was contested between 2015 and 2017, losing 4-0 to Slovakia's under-23 side. And the International Challenge Trophy was a competition for national teams that feature semi-pro under-23 players who have not yet won a senior international cap. And depending on how many teams enter, the period of time it's played over can vary, but it can be over a couple of years. And with regards to players, not many have gone through the system and played England C through to the senior side, but one such player was former Leicester and Arsenal striker Alan Smith. Whilst he was at non-league Alverchurch, he made three appearances for the then England non-league team in 1982, before making 13 senior appearances. And notably, he also played four times for the B team, scoring four goals. And there aren't many who can make that claim, but former Leicester, Celtic and Wickham player Steve Guppy can go one further. Also played for the semi-pro and the senior side, and is the only player to have played for the under-21, England B, semi-pro and the senior side. And in a recent game against Estonia, the 16-man squad featured Lawrence Maguire, Harry's younger brother. Lawrence was at Chesterfield in the National League at the time. And obviously Jamie Vardy was famously at Fleetwood, who were also a conference premier club whilst he was there. But he didn't make it onto the pitch for the C-team. And it was only when he transferred to Leicester that he earned his England caps. And we all know Declan Rice switched between the Republic of Ireland to England at senior level. And it's been documented on England Football Online that a couple of players have previously played for the England C team before switching to another nation later in their career. In my chat with manager Paul Fairclough, he also makes reference to this. In fact, in researching and speaking with Glenn from England Football Online, He told me that in the first 12 years, between 79 to 91, Noel Ashford won 22 caps, and the team had only played 29 games up to that point. And Mark Carter, formerly of Runcorn and Barnet, has scored over twice as many goals as anybody else, with 13 from 11 appearances. And according to Wikipedia, it looks like he still holds the record. Although following him... It's the late Mitchell Cole who scored seven from 14. I know Glenn is keen to elaborate more on the C team on England Football Online. So if you can help him out, then by all means, drop him a line. As I said, some of the information out there is a little sketchy. Now I've mentioned it a couple of times now. I think it's time we heard from the current England C manager himself. I'd like to welcome to the Three Lions podcast, current England Sea manager, hello to Paul Fairclough. Hello, Paul. Hi, Russell. How are you? I'm great. I'm great, yeah. Thank you very much for, for joining us on the Three Lions podcast. 17 years in the job, I'm led to believe. Yeah, uh, it, it is, yeah. I've been, uh, I think someone said to me the other day that we aren't sure how long Walter Winterbottom done. Okay, yeah, he's, he was one of the, the very very first England managers, wasn't he? England yeah, I, I, think, I think Walter managed 16 years and something, but uh, so I don't know. Yeah, it's a long time, but it's been fantastic. 
you've come a long way since well you were previous manager of Hartford Town and Stevenage and and Barnet as well it's it's a long way since those waterlogged pitches of Hartford Town I guess oh Hartford Town yeah I was um my first management role and I had the uh I had the pleasure of taking them to the relegation playoffs against Petersfield in the Esmin League Division 2 great days <laughs> but uh, we 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 turned the corner and things you know went went upwards with Hartford and and then, obviously, I spent uh, some great years at Stevenage, which is another story altogether, and then some further great years at Barnet. And in between that, whilst I was doing the England job and the Barnet job, I'd worked a spell with Arsenal and but juggled the England Sea job all the time because I just loved it. My roots, although I've tinkered with the professional game, both as an analyst and also you know, as a manager and coach, my heart is grounded. You know, I mean, I'm grassroots, you know, I'm grassroots football through and through. Is that, I guess, what, what keeps you motivated in, in doing it then? Yeah, look, the, se- the 17 years, uh, it's flown. And what it's made me, me do is it's made me stay, stay on top of the recent coaching methods, recent ideas, being in touch with the younger generation, being able to relate to the younger generation through their, you know, their te- technology, the different world now than when I took over the job. It just gives me so much pleasure and pride to, to make that selection because I think you pointed out and we'll, we'll go through that. I've, I've got millions of players to choose from, you know, and that is quite often, that's quite often reflected in other teams that are England teams that I manage or representative teams that I manage, I manage what they call FA representative teams. Oh. And just recently I took a, a team to, to the Falkland Islands and that team was made up of players from step four and five. So even lower than the National League? Look, yeah, yeah. National League step one, North and South two, Ismail League three. And it goes down four and five and it carries on. And would you believe, such is the impact of a representative honour or an England cap, one of those players who came out to Falklands who was playing in step five has just signed a two-year deal with Crawley in the Football League. Really? It inspired him that that much, the trip to the, trip to the Falklands. That's amazing. I mean, you mentioned the Falklands there. I mean, I've, I've seen in the past you've been to places like Bermuda as well. Yeah, I think you know. Over the years, we've we've changed from being a highly competitive team, but also combining them with an ambassadorial role. You know, we've gone out and we've been into schools in most of the countries that we travelled to. Bermuda was there's one. You know, Granada was an, was another. We've been out out there. We were in Jordan, and you know, we entertained the Syrian refugees over there. We've done lots and lots of. Um, community work in the villages and in Cyprus in schools everywhere we've been England sea and the FA has left their mark in a, in a really positive fashion I mean maybe this is my my ignorance but should the England sea team be be known a little more than perhaps it it should in wider circles look it's been it's 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 my bone of contention for all the good that it does it should be recognised more than what it is. I mean, I don't know how many people, but I, I would imagine if you ask many people, 
Certainly England, England uh, first team supporters wouldn't know who England C were, but I'd like them to. Of course. And, and especially because we are still waiting for the first England C player to make it through to the, to the full first team. Now, we've been very close. We had the boy Stocktail, the keeper. Andre Gray was being looked at closely a couple of years ago uh, by the manager. So we're waiting for that one. But we're, we're, we are a rich source and supply. I mean, we, we have supplied the Premier League with, with players. Ironically, we have supplied other nations, Wales and Scotland, with full internationals. I mean, Craig McHale-Smith was a regular for us and played five times for Scotland. Steve Morrison, who played for England C, went on to play for, for Wales. Sam Ricketts played three or four games for the England C team uh, and went on and played a host of games for Wales and, and is also in the management scene now. I mean, as is, as is um, Lee Johnson, who, you know, sadly he's, he, he's, he's just been dismissed by Bristol. But... He's a, he's a he's a an England C player and and he's the he's the future of the game in this country I believe. The England C side has got a bit of a a checkered past because whilst you mention that no players have come through the England C system when it was was it England semi pro or the England national eleven wasn't the likes of didn't Alan Smith and and Steve Guppy go all the way through? Is it like a different? pathway back then no no it was the same pathway football has changed so much hasn't it mm. you know i mean stuart pierce came through the non-dc yeah i don't know whether he got recognized but it was that was by uh England-C, but that was before my team i mean we we had jamie jamie vardy in our squad twice first time he was injured and the second time he was we introduced this under the 23 schedule right um, and he was he he'd, he'd passed that so We've had some. I've got these few names here to throw at you. I mean, yeah. we've had look, Russell. Since I've been doing it, we've had over two hundred players go into the football league or the Premier Division. Now, I'm not stupid to suggest that all that was our work because most or the majority of that work is done with their respective league clubs and league managers on their good form. But the England C, it's almost like a rubber stamp for that, those boys. It really is. And you take the case of Shea Adams. I mean, I don't know whether we, how many people watched that wonderful goal the other night. Yeah. But Shea Adams, I had a training camp and we always get a pull out because someone gets injured on a, on a Saturday. So this training camp was going to happen over two days. And I'd arranged for Shea Adams to come in uh, as a substitute, I'd watched him playing for Ilkeston, uh, or my colleague had, who's my eyes in, in that area, a guy called John East, who we've been to together, you know, since we were 20 years old. And John was raving about this kid. And if John raves about somebody, it, I don't even have to go and, and, and look. So we pulled this kid into the squad. He was 17 at the time. And he was just head and shoulders above everybody else who was on the pitch. This 17-year-old old lad, he had the language style of a John Barnes when he was, at, you know, that, that kind of style. And I, I can still re recognise that in his gait now. But the minute that got around, 
on the Sunday he was in, I got a phone call from Celtic on the Monday. How they got hold of that, I don't know. <laughs> but that sort of epitomises what the call-up, because when we have, do have games, we get, we get a plethora of scouts attending the matches. I mean, it must give you a, a tremendous sense of pride uh, oh, for seeing these players come through. Um, unbelievable. I mean, uh, like I say, we've got Steve Morrison, Andre Gray, fantastic for us, Andre. Uh, Sam Klukas come through with us. Uh, Lee Johnson, George Boyd, Aidan Flint, Lee Tomlinson, Ma- uh, Michael Morrison, uh, Joe Lolly featured with us before he featured with anybody at all. And when you add up, I mean, those players have ended up going for millions. Yeah. Tomlin went for uh, 3.5 million. Mikhail Smith, 2.5. Aidan Flint, who we had, he's he's gone for 11 million in total. Gray has gone for almost 30 million in his time, in his young time. And that's just to name a few. And these guys, you know, were always looked as if they could do something, but... Playing for England C, as I said, just rubber stamped. Do you know, we've never had a player come away with us who's had a poor game. Right. Now, I'm not saying that's what we do, but I think putting the three lines on your chest doesn't half help. Sadly, we talk about um, one of our, our, there's a couple of guys who've, who've, who've gone. Um, Mitchell Cole. Right. He was just a great player for England C, you know, and sadly, Mitchell passed away. He was terrific for us, and he had a good career in, in in the in the professional game. Yeah, just touching on current issues. I mean, obviously the the early curtailment of the the national league and, and no matches for you to go and go and see now. And you, you mentioned your colleague who who goes and watch games in a different area. How how are you finding it at the moment? Are you are you in contact with the players that you would regularly select? No, we we we. I mean, it's, sadly, we had a game scheduled in March, just gone against Wales. Right. We'd selected the squad, and all the players knew about it. And sadly, that game was was due to you know that was pulled because obviously mm. the problems with uh, COVID nineteen, and that was a sad moment for me because I I did know that some of them players would perhaps move on to other clubs and we're going to miss that opportunity of a, of a cap and a shirt of course and yep. then we were due to to entertain Nepal that in, seemed really interesting that one well that's do you know from a you know doing good work uh, the FA doing good work with relationships um, with Nepal much needed uh, that would have been terrific, and we 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 were playing their full national team. Okay, and sadly that's that's came to an end as well. Um, and all, all England see scheduled fixtures. We had a fixture scheduled against Estonia, who always put out their full under twenty three team against us. We've had that's bit that's gone. Yeah. That game has gone as well. well. Looking back over previous England see. History is doing my research. You tend to play, is it four or five games a season? They're kind of a, a mix of friendlies and it's, it's the International Challenge Trophy, isn't it? Well, you know, Russell, the, when I first went on board, we had a, a, a number of friendlies mm. 
and then the Four Nations Tournament. Right. Right. Now, the Four Nations Tournament was obviously England, Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. Yeah. And that used to take place in the close season over a period of about eight days. And it was more, I mean, it was highly, highly competitive, uh, particularly when we faced Wales. But it, by the last game, it was more about endurance. Right. You know, because it was so packed. And so it was, yeah. you know, you need to, for something like that, you really need two weeks. But all those countries and, and their non-league football, you know, they're, they're, they've not got bundles of cash. So it was condensed on it. And then we were being uh, guided by Mike Appleby at the time, who sadly has passed away just recently. Mike and I, we we said we we decided we wanted more for England C. We wanted to because we were winning the Four Nations tournament every time, bar I think one, and um, we wanted more for the for the to, for the players personally from a, a technique point of view and coaching technique. I wanted to stretch the players. I wanted to see how good these non-league players were. Yeah. So, well, Mike decided it was his, it was his baby, really. He he tapped into the UEFA Under Twenty One tournament and tapped into countries who would like a warm up game before they went into the the UEFA the, you know UEFA European Cup. Yeah. So we picked up a number of teams. You know, at one stage there was nine of nine teams, and what it meant that we were playing against. Uh, all of a sudden, we were playing against elite players. I mean, I can remember we played Belgium at Luton Town Football Club, and Aldevelda, and uh, the goalkeeper who went Courtois. to Real Madrid, Courtois, yeah, uh, was playing, and, and we beat them one nil. You know. <laughs> And I can remember we were playing. We went out to Russia and played their full under twenty three team because the the tournament, the which was called the International Challenge Trophy, was designed to be under twenty three. But these nations were using it with their under twenty one side, uh, and we had some epic matches. I mean, we got stretched in some of the games, but really did well. And when we play, I remember playing. Turkey down at at Darford, and the boy who went for Everton. I don't know whether he's still there. He went to Everton for about twenty-two million pounds. Tucson. He was playing up front. Um, so all of a sudden, we were playing against these these players who are are full internationals now. And then sadly, we lost the international challenge through sort of the recessions that were carrying on in, in, in Europe, more so than what was happening in, in England. And, 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 and nations were beginning to pull in their, their purse strings and it was, it was beginning to get increasingly more difficult to pull in nations to play in that tournament. So that's when we took, we, we, we took on a little bit more of the ambassadorial role. Um, but whenever the players have played against these elite opposition you know the better the, more, the greater the opposition you play you know you're being tested to the hilt and I believe I'm a firm believer in non-league footballers that they can they can go places if they want to and, and there's no better way to test their ability than playing against far far better allegedly better players than them. So did you do you remember seeing a sort of an immediate 
spike in sort of the competitiveness when the um i mean no disrespect to the four nations trophy no. but as soon as the the next one came along oh, of course the, the the players were were look putting on an england shirt they were hyper anyway you know yeah. they were fully responsive to anything i said i mean i've had the easiest job in the world you know i i, I picked the players and and I don't need to motivate them. It's that three lines on the shirt. Uh, and then seeing the opposition players is fantastic, you know. And, and so, yes, it brought out, it certainly brought out the best best in them. As I say, I can either remember us falling completely apart against anybody. You say it's the, the, the easiest job you've got there because you, you, you don't really have to motivate them. But do you... Do you come into contact with like your your fellow England managers, the likes of Gareth Southgate or Phil Neville or, or Aidy Bouvroyd at under twenty one level? Uh, well, well, I know I, I know Aidy, but um, no, we, we we've had no real contact. Uh, I don't know why that isn't is the case, uh, yeah. but they seem to everyone seems to be closeted. You know, I remember. Um, when we went out to play Finland in the International Challenge Trophy, that was the time Roy Hodgson was managing the uh, Finnish, full Finnish team. Okay, yes. He was training on the next pitch, and I, I expected Roy to come over and after the game and, you know, and uh, after his training session and come up and, and see us. But he, he obviously was, was, was far too busy and, and, and I didn't come, so... But no, we've not really had any um, any sort of going in between. Uh, look, I can remember in- England see they talked about the DNA, and we were included in the DNA. But I think what we've done with the England C team, it has been an England a team that's been more or less left to operate by itself. Yeah have its own little island and have a poetic license to to do more or less within limitations um, and do what we were doing. Right. So I take it then you, you you don't come out of St George's Park or where where do you train when you have Well it's it's quite complicated. I mean we get a budget and it's quite out of that budget everything comes. You know, every Everything come transporting the players around, hotels, and that's another reason why we can only have three to four events. Or we've had in the past three to four events each year, and um, when we have another game, we we've used St George's, okay, but that comes out of my my budget, right? So there's always a cost. You know, I learned that when I was manager of Barnet. <laughs> But it's a it's a business. I remember Barnet used to get free balls from the league, but I used to go. I used to have to buy the balls off the club, and it came out of my budget. But it was all the money was still swilling around, and it's still the same with with St George's. Obviously, it comes out of my my budget, and the money swirls around. But it it for the for what it cost me to use St George's, I could have two sessions somewhere else. Right. And that's what we chose to do in the end, you know. That's understandable. I mean, something that you alluded to at, at the very beginning, where you mentioned that these vast uh, 
pool of players that you get to choose from. Did you mention like you've got players, I say, all over the country at, at various levels? Is that an easy way of selecting players to have too many, or is it is it a good headache to have? In, in the main, the the England compared to the the full England team, their their pull is mainly the English Premier League. Yes, and occasionally they love some players from the Championship, but it's seldom it goes below that. Now the England C team is is different. Yes, we'll have a lot of the National League, but if we see someone coming through step three or four, and I believe in him, and my scouts believe in him, we'll pick him. Because we believe one of our roles is to help young players. And this is the thing about non-league players that people don't understand. The majority of non-league players, certainly going down to levels four, are rejects. They've all been through that process where they've been to professional clubs, they've been in academies, they've been in centre of excellence, and somewhere along the line, they've been rejected. So that's another motivational thing when we when we come together because they're all and we share this when the players meet. We sh- the players share; they have to share. Okay, well, is that something the, that you encourage? Oh, it's a, it's a process we go through, right? What we have to do, we have to bond that team. We get very little time when we play a game. We might have a game on a Tuesday. We'll meet up on a Sunday, train on a on a Monday. We'll play on a Tuesday and we'll come home either Tuesday night if it's in the UK or Wednesday morning. So we've got to bond them. So we have several processes that work for us where they become brothers. By the time they've, they've left us, they've got friends for life. Uh, because they get to know each other so well. I, I believe that the England Sea players get to know each other better in the 48 hours that they spend with us than what they would travelling to a game or training with a teammate at their club for two years. I believe that that process happens. So I've got good eyes out there. I've got a good scouting network out there who are always on the lookout, you know, I have people at all different levels who are good at what they do. And they'll say, look, you need to keep your eye on this. I mean, we miss some people. Of course we do, you know, because we have a limit to how many scouts we can have around the country. But I roughly have about 10 looking out at all, all different levels. And we do an enormous amount of games. We, I have a database of thousands of games that I get reports from my scouts. They all have to put a, a written report in. Right. So... We do run other, not England teams, but FA representative teams. And, for example, you might have one of the associations, Hertfordshire Football Association, might be celebrating their 100th anniversary. And so they request an FA representative team to come and play a Hertford representative team. So I, I, I can then pick a localised team within a 50 60 mile radius it's it's worthwhile seeing all these lower level games for for those games but also for the fact that if they're good enough and we we've had lots of players who played in these these representative games who've gone on and made it into the uh england team england c team and into the football league so 
it's it's just a, it's not difficult at all. It's just great having that knowledge of what's going on at grassroots level. And these players, as I alluded to, I've got so much respect for them, for non-league players, because they have been rejected. And we all know in life that to get back on that horse and go again takes people to be brave, you know, refusing to give in and... And that's what is a, uh, what I love about the, the non-league player. You say these these players they get to know each other within such a, a short space of time, but what is the sort of the, the turnover of of players at, at the sea level? I mean, do you have a settled squad or regular players, or like will you, will you pick new players come the next game if, to give them all a chance? Well, in the past, it, we have to have our games in the international break, right? In other yeah. words, the, or the or sorry, the international window. When, whenever the if FIFA they 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 do their calendar, and that's when the internationals will take place. For us, it's normally October. It's uh, September, October, November. There'll be always be a game. Uh, February there'll be a game for sure, and then end of season there'll be another game for, for sure and obviously we have to comply with the, the leagues that the lads come from certainly the National League have been very good to us over the year and they've left their midweek fixtures out when it's international uh, break time okay. so it's it's been it's been useful to have but if, if for example we have uh, at the beginning of the season we have a game in the or uh, in the no, October time, then the likelihood is that I'll pick a squad and by January, when the next window comes to an end, transfer window, three or four of them have gone already. Of course. Well, they may have gone up a league then, I guess. Exactly. Some of them have gone into the Football League. Yeah. So that takes those players away. So if I'm happy with six or seven of the squad, they, they, I, I tell all those players when they play in a game, look, you've done well tonight. This is my, always my parting shot. I said, you've done very well tonight. And if you, want a, if you want another shirt and another cap, make sure you go back to your club where you earn your bread and butter and perform. Because if, you, if there's someone else who's performing better than you consistently, I'll pick them. Although we've had one or two people who've had six, seven caps, there's no one really who's got their feet under the table and thought, I've got the ne- I've got it, you know, next time. So then it goes on then after that. So there'll be another game in, in, in February. And then guess what? The season comes to an end. They've gone. So come the June fixture, it can quite often be an experimental side for the next season that's going to start in, in the August again. So... It, look, I'd love to have more games, Russell, okay. uh, but you know, funding's a big issue with the England Sea. With that in mind, I mean, what what do you think is your greatest achievement looking back over those seventeen years with the Sea team? I tell you, which was one of them was a great achievement. Mm. <laughs> was I was appointed manager back in I can't even remember seventeen years ago, and at that time. I think it was the, the Vauxhall League, which was where we were going to be picking uh, the majority of the side out for this next 
uh, game against Belgium, really important first game against Belgium. There was a disagreement between the FA and the the then, I don't know whether it was the Vauxhall, but the conference, if you like. Yes. And so having pulled out uh, from, from steps one and two together and put, put what I thought was a really good side, because I only had a, a week to pull this side together anyway, you know, such as my appointment, that um, we didn't have any players to choose from from those levels. So we had to put a couple of sides together, literally overnight, Mike Appleby and I. And I remember staying in the offices, I think it was Lancaster Gate then or somewhere like that. Okay. We stayed up all hours, putting this team together, making the phone calls. So that was a great achievement. But there's been so many uh, proud moments. Rather than great achievements, I'd call them proud moments. Yeah. Some football-related some not, you know. I've had, I've got a great team of backroom staff, you know. Mickey Payne, who's my goalkeeping coach, and and uh, Jack Dimitri, who's my physio, and uh, Jimmy Conway, who's my kit man, who was the, who was kit man for the for the under twenty ones when the likes of David Beckham was playing. Okay. Um, and then we're just a, a sew together group, and it was when we put. Uh, we we there was four busloads of Syrian refugees who came to a venue on the border where this we had this grass well it wasn't exactly grass and I'd the players had all come and they'd all been put into groups and these kids come off this these buses and they were so sullen mm. these kids you know you can see the traumas and you know what. My coaches and my players had these kids screaming with laughter. And they all got back on the buses an hour and a half later cheering. And, and yeah. that was, that was a, a really proud moment, nothing to do with the football. But I think just some of, the, some of the games, I mean, I remember playing against Czech Republic at Woking and we were 2-0 down with about 10 minutes to go on a freezing cold night. And there are a lot of stars uh, in in the team at the time, and the players just refused to give in, and we scored uh, an injury time equaliser okay. that, that felt like we. It's one of them, Russell. You know, yeah, one I of those know. that feel like a win. You know, what I mean, yeah. I've had a couple of moments like that as a as a, a league manager where a draw just felt like a win. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that that was a great occasion. But just every single occasion I meet up you know the planning that's gone into it from all sides and the anticipate anticipation of meeting these young aspiring footballers who hang on every word and ha every session that you do with them and the feedback we get from them uh, afterwards is always so positive and that's the message that England City takes back with them those players come with us they, we want them to go back to their families and their clubs and, and promote England C, which they do. Yeah. So no, it's it's like I said, it's an easy job. Well, it sounds a uh, it sounds a very enjoyable one, and it, and it pays me to say I've never actually come and watch an England C doing this particular podcast as just doing the research and looking into it and and thinking actually uh, there's no reason why I shouldn't go along and and watch. I mean. 
we we tend that's another thing we tend to if we get a home fixture we tend to share it out amongst the clubs you know so we'll have a northern fixture we'll have midlands fixture we'll have a southern fixture yeah so look at the moment the um england sea activities have been suspended right because of the coronavirus and the effect it's had on it. It's no secret at the FA that there's been huge cuts at the FA and huge casualties. You know, sadly, more than a hundred hundred people have lost their jobs at, at least. Yeah. And there's been a lot of people who've suffered, and England C have, have have suffered. So, and so our budget has contributed to to that that loss. So we're temporarily suspended. So work will carry on. Yeah, doing what we do, you know. Once we can get into games, you know, we're all excited. All the scouts are excited about watching the up and coming playoffs on BT. So they'll all be at it, and um, and hopefully, when things improve, who knows they're going to improve? I mean, because it's 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 very sad because the impact we have for example i had a i selected a young goalkeeper from curzon and ashton to be on the contingency squad for the game against wales and he was interviewed by the non league paper yep. and he was in the contingency squad so he wasn't even selected as one of the two goalkeepers but it was as if he'd won the jackpot yeah and it it inspired him for the for the forthcoming for this season that's coming he wants the shirt, but obviously we're not going to have any games yeah. until it until it gets sorted out. And then, you know, I'm determined, and so are the people who've our administration team, Lawrence Jones and Andy Shaw, who who, who helps. We're all determined to to get the team, you know, up and running, which with whatever it's going to take. Well, it's uh, so it's almost. With, with the the playoffs coming up, it's, it's sort of business as usual for yourself, but just with this hanging over your head at the moment. Yeah, I mean, look, we don't know how long it's going to last. You know, no one, no one really saw this coming. You know, my heart goes out for the for the people who've who've lost their their jobs throughout throughout the world. Really, you know, there's there's bigger things in life than football. If you led to believe Bill Shankly, that's not true. Mm-hmm. It's true, you know. I mean, we we suffered, I believe, temporarily. How long that temporary will will be, uh, I'm I'm not I'm not sure. We will be back. We will be promoting the the young players again for sure. Well, I, I stay positive and and yeah, let's let's hope we can all come back together and yeah, we'll, we'll see that England C team back on a uh, back on a pitch close to us soon. Oh, absolutely, and uh, I guarantee that you know we we would like current England supporters who um, do, do you know. I mean, I can remember going to an England game at Wembley yeah. a few years ago, and I almost fell asleep. This was be- before we were playing them. Now we're playing really sort of exciting football, you know, attacking football with the. Our, our academy structure that we've had over the last 10, 15 years is is beginning to work, you know, and we've got so many great, which has helped us at non-league level because a lot of the non-league players who come down know how to pass the ball now. 
you know, they know how to receive it, in, in, and that's the way we want to play. You know, we want to we want to be an extension of the full England team. I want uh, Gareth Southgate to come to an England C game and say, oh, "That's what we do. I mean, we're not copying him, but it's the way the game should be played." You know, whatever is it's going to happen is going to happen. You know, so here's an idea: maybe they should, for a future England senior team friendly, then then maybe have the England C team play at Wembley before the senior team play. Listen. It's you know I'll be honest about it. It's it's my ambition for the England C team to play at Wembley, you know, and that's that that's we that is a, it would e- be easy to do that. Mm. I mean, I remember when uh, years ago when Bobby Robson was manager of the England team, we would just come off the back of winning the Four Nations tournament, and Sir Bobby invited all our players to the game at Ipswich. I can't remember what country we were playing, the fourth, first team, but he invited all the players on the pitch before the game, shook all our hands and presented us with the winner's medals. That's the clo- closest we've got to being really recognised nationally because that was on the TV. So that's what we want. I mean, it would be great to do what you've suggested yeah. before an England an England game. It, it really would, and it's doable. They've got enough changing rooms there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I don't have much influence within the FA. In fact, I have very I have nothing. But uh, well, maybe they'll hear this, and and maybe someone will go. That's that's a possibility in the future. Um, we'll see. Yeah, for sure. I, we can. Uh, yeah, that that dream of yours that that'd be great to realise, Paul. Thank you. Thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Um, and, uh, and I wish you all the very, all the very good luck going forwards um, in, these, in these strange times. Very strange, yeah. Thanks, Russell. Thank you very much to Paul there. And I wish him all the very best going forwards. I'd also like to thank Richard Weeks from the England Supporters Club for sorting it all out for me. Now, as I was doing my research, I thought, wouldn't it be great to be able to speak with a player who's played sea level? And I'm pleased to say that current Ipswich Town striker James Norwood has agreed to have a chat with me. I'd like to welcome to the Three Lions podcast, former England Sea player and current Ipswich Town player, James Norwood. James. Hello. I um, was just looking back through your, your England Sea time, but just currently up to date, you're, you're at Ipswich, aren't you? I am, yeah. And season curtailed a little bit early, obviously, but, but you had a bit of an injury towards the end? Yeah, yeah. I got injured, I think, in October, November time. I had an operation in November and then... Tried to play on to the point where I was doing myself a disservice and had another operation in February. And how, how's things now? Uh, still not right, but oh. it's been difficult, obviously, during lockdown to get some physio on that. But managed to find one up in crew that is willing to work with me and I've made some, made some good progress. Oh, well, good stuff. All, all the best for uh, the season up and coming. Thank you. So England C, take us back to then. What, what was going on? for you when, when England C came about? I thought I'd been 20, 21, 22. Yeah. Obviously, 
played with a lad that made made the squad, played with a couple, Reese Steich and Jamie Turley. I think they, they became a little bit too old and obviously I was starting to have a good season and found out about this England sea set up and got called away to Bermuda. In, in, <laughs> As you do. Yeah, it was great. Look, Looking back, I think it's put up every year, but the team we had, I think there was uh, 20 of us and about 16 of us went on to play in the league. Okay. I know it was probably sort of Andre Gray, Sam Klukas. Were you at Forest Green at the time? Yeah, I was at Forest Green, yeah. So Bermuda was that first game. You had quite an introduction, by all accounts, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, it went quite well for me. I was told myself and Andre were on the bench coming on for the second half and managed to score a hat-trick in about 12 minutes. Result? Yeah, and we won 6-1, so it was a lovely introduction. I think we were supposed to fly to the Cayman Islands and then to America. It was sort of supposed to be a 16-day tour, but something happened with the flights or something, so we, we got the seven days, and I think they planned for us to sort of fly off shortly after the game, but I think we ended up having three or four days in Bermuda. That's very that nice. Good. Yeah, so it was a great little holiday. The life of an England sea player, eh? <laughs> yeah, you get paid 100 quid to play as well, so... Is that what it is? I think so, yeah. That's Well, that's what I used to get off the club anyway. I don't know if they paid us more, but... Yeah. So what was that? Was that, that was the first of seven caps, I believe? I think so, yeah. I think it was six, six seven or eight. I'm not entirely yeah. sure. I had to go through. Were you aware of the England C team? Only sort of through through the lads that played before me mm. at Forest Green. I'd heard about it about the year before, I thought, and I got into a little bit of mischief at the club, right. should we say. And uh, I know Paul runs a very tight ship, and I, I thought I may have been called up before that, but you know, I got back on the straight and narrow, and you know, I ended up getting my call up the following year. What's Paul like as a manager? He's brilliant. He sort of really gets you going. He, he does a lot of team bonding work and a lot of stuff on the training field, but he takes you out of your, your club mentality, whereas about winning, he sort of the first thing he says to you in the change room is go, you might not do it at club level, do it here. You know, express yourself. If you want to do a trick, do a trick. If you want to shoot from the halfway line, shoot from the halfway line. So it just gives you that freedom to to play in whichever manner you think suits you best. And uh, for me, that was great. You know, I, I like to take shots on and dribble with a ball. And you think, can I do that at club level? The manager goes nuts because it's nil-nil. Yeah. But, you know, given that freedom and that license to be able to play, I think it, it's shown over the last few years how well the England C team does because people come out their shells and... You know, people get noticed from it. Yeah. And he said he has this sort of introducing like yourselves to each other. Is that yeah. sort of nerve-wracking if you've not sort of spoken to him before? Because it's quite a vast amount of players that come and go between the C team, is it? Yeah, I think I think depending on what sort of character you are, it, it can be difficult. But the minute you sort of, you, you're only put into groups of two. So you've not. only got to talk to one person. So you just find out and you have to do a sort of introduction on the person you've just been speaking to. You know, he, he encourages not speaking about yourself, but learning about other people. And I think you don't. Someone might say, oh, "I've done this," and you go, "Oh, me too." It's not not what he's looking for. It's, oh, how did you find it? Yeah. What was it like?" You pick up a lot more information about people that way and get to know people better. And I can say, every trip I, I've been with, away on, I've uh, I probably st- still say hello to everyone. Really? Yeah, yeah. I think you just become really close over it. Or you, you, you have so much time to bond. You're in. I don't think I played a home game, so I've always been travelled away and always tried to be a part of the part of the team that sort of brings people together. And at one point you were captain, weren't you? Yeah, that was short lived. 
for what's that how did that feel and how did that come about and any sort of extra responsibilities uh it was incredible really i um i always tried to be a leader when i was away with them i tried to you know get people there on time and get people up for games and, and try and lead while on the pitch and you know i was hoped that i would get the get the shout to be the captain and i did against turkey yeah, i got sent off after 75 minutes <laughs> <laughs> Which obviously I look back on now and I'm really, I'm devastated because we had another game left in the tournament. It was a home game away at Halifax and I think we ended up winning 3 or 4 nil. And uh, knowing I would have led my team out, my family could have been there. That, yeah. You know, it's it's still sore now. I see that the C players, much like the, the senior players and, and under-21s and the, the Lionesses, they get the caps as well, don't they? They do, yeah. We were, I think, after Bermuda, we had a big team meal and the general, he was called. I think he was sort of head of the FA or something to do with the FA presented our caps and you know each person goes up individually and you know it's a, it's a special moment that's that first one is the one I remember yeah and where what do you still got them all and you keep them on pride of place at home yeah yeah I've still got them all you, you keep the shirts the kit everything some training kit I managed to keep yeah. <laughs> but yeah it's, it's just like being away I assume with the, the real England team you know you get your two shirts you get your cap uh, the only difference is it's got a C after it, you know. No. Uh, we're young, we was in the conference and, you know, it's it's a, it's a real honour. Happy days then, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, some of the best times I had. You know, some people don't don't want to be travelling away in the summer, but, you know, I kept fit and, you know, I really look forward to every game and every call-up I was hoping, hoping to get called up because I enjoyed it so much. And you got a uh, last-minute penalty versus the Czech Republic, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Nervy? Uh, Way at Woken it was. Do you know what? I wasn't nervous. I think because because of what the gaffer said, and you know how how he is with the lads. I had absolutely no problem stepping up. Went straight to the ball, and I managed to stick it in the stanchion, uh, which I did against Bermuda as well. Okay. And also, I had one ruled out against Jordan that was perfectly legitimate. So I should have had five goals, but uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, it was a questionable decision. I ran from about five yards on side and headed it in and uh, got yeah. given offside. But we were warned about these sorts of things happening. What, in Jordan uh, in particular? Yeah, prior to the game. Yeah. I mean, they certainly go to some interesting places, be it, I say, Bermuda, Jordan. It's just a uh, totally different to, say, the, the seniors would go to, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I remember in Jordan, we worked with um, we did a training camp for some refugees. That, that was special. You know, we held a mini tournament, three of us managed managed each five, six aside team and yeah. you know, we had a great day. these guys sort of escaped sort of the the country and, you know, living in poverty and things like that. It was just nice to be able to, to do stuff. We we visited schools in Bermuda. We thought we were the real England team and you know, it was just nice to put, put smiles on people's faces. So it was you know, it wasn't just football, it was educational and yeah. you know, it was it was great to do stuff for the community. Yeah, sort of thing that doesn't really get reported back. No, I don't think so. I don't think England sees widely covered. But, you know, the lads, the, the 20 odd lads that travel each time and the coaching staff, you know, I think it impacts them. So, you know, it doesn't have to be widely sort of spread around the place. But, you know, the, the people that are there, you know, it touches and I think, I think the memories serve long. It's good, good to know. Good to know. Well, wish you all the best for the, uh, for the forthcoming season and, and the injury. Hope you get back to uh, full fitness and, and thanks for sharing those England Sea memories. No worries. Thank you very much.
Thank you to James there for casting his mind back to his sea days. And if you search England's sea on YouTube, you can see some of his goals, including the hat-trick against Bermuda and that last-minute penalty against the Czech Republic. You can give him a follow on Twitter, at jnorwood underscore 10. Now, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Initially, I thought it'd be a bit of a slog putting it together, but I've had a little bit of help along the way, as I've name-checked throughout, and it has come together quicker than I anticipated. And it's clear from what Paul Fairclough said, England C are in a bit of a precarious position at the moment. I just hope for him, for the players and supporters, and generally of the non-league persuasion, that that doesn't last too long. From the research that I've done, a cap at any level obviously means so much. But a C-level cap for the players, perhaps it's just a little bit more attached to it when you take into their club-level status and what they may have been through in the past. They may only get the one opportunity to represent England. And for Paul Fairclough to play at Wembley and realise a dream? Come on, the FA. I'm sure it wouldn't take too much organising for just one game at our national stadium before a senior international. I'd certainly be interested in taking it in. And if you want to learn more about the C-team, check out the FA.com, the non-league papers website. And as I previously mentioned, YouTube has some footage from previous games and a few interviews too. Now, if this podcast is new to you, hello. I hope you've enjoyed it. Likewise, if you're a regular, as always, thank you. You can listen to all previous episodes at 3lionspodcast.com or your usual podcast provider. And you can find us on Twitter at 3lionspodcast. Search the same on Facebook and Instagram. Always good to have a chat. And if you happen to find yourself on the likes of iTunes, why not give it a rating? I'm not going to beg for five stars. Give it what you feel it deserves. So until the next time, look after yourselves, your friends and your family too. Stay safe. Cheers. <laughs>